Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. And yeah, our big kids can head back to their program, grade four, five, six. I got some special teaching for you back there. It's going to be a wonderful time. It is a powerful thing. The love of God is something profound and tangible. It's real. It's not just an idea, and we get to experience that and share in that together as we walk through these things. But um, as we begin, let's open our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 12. And we're going to look at a passage here um, that kind of is going to set up where we're going this morning as we continue our journey. This morning, Ezekiel chapter 12, we're going to read uh, starting in verse 21. Together, we'll have it on the screen here for you if you'd like as well. But it's good to open the Word as well. It's good to have the physical thing or the digital one. Those are fine, I guess, but you know. Get a Bible, people. It matters. You can underline in there. I know you can underline the digital. It's not the same. Anyways, Ezekiel chapter 12, verses 21, says this, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, what is the proverb you have in the land of Israel? The days go by and every vision comes to nothing. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am going to put an end to this proverb and they will no longer quote it in Israel. Say to them, the days are near when every vision will be fulfilled, for there will be no more false visions or flattering divinations among the people of Israel, but I, the Lord, will speak what I will, and it shall be fulfilled without delay. For in your days, you rebellious people, I will fulfill whatever I say, declares the Sovereign Lord. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the Israelites are saying, the vision he sees is for many years from now, and he prophesies about the distant future. Therefore say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, declares the sovereign Lord. Our God has spoken grand things. Visions and prophecies, messages of truth and promises of what He will do, calling us to obedience, to repentance, to faith, to life, and to sacrifice. Do we believe? Do we trust? Do we live like God's promises, His prophecies are true? Do we believe that God will do what He has said He will do? Our God has said it, and I believe it. Amen. This morning we're going to be continuing our series exploring the Word. This theme that we're looking at this year, unpacking the power of Scripture, the beauty of and splendor of the Word of God, the transforming work of the Spirit alive and speaking through Scripture to our very souls. Last year we started on this journey of sacred, seeking to understand the power of God's sacred presence alive in us and in the world. And we wanted to see how God has used Scripture to communicate that presence to us, to help us understand His presence, His nature, His purpose and His plan, His love and His grace and His mercy, His salvation. 
And ultimately, His restoration of all things according to His glorious purposes, bringing everything in line with His will for His glory and our salvation. It's a profound thing we study, this book. The Word is alive. And every time we come back to it, God has new things to speak to us. We can come to the same passage again and again, and it is new. As God reveals Himself in a new and a deeper way, as we grow in understanding of Him and maturity in relationship with Him and submission to Him, humility before Him, God is good. And He is speaking to you. Do we hunger for His Word? So we've started this journey by looking at the different parts of the Word. Scripture is one. It is unified and consistent, but it is made up of many different parts, styles and genres. There's stories and teachings and law and wisdom, poetry and worship, each speaking different parts of God's heart and nature. Revealing different aspects of God Himself to us, inviting us to sit and listen and learn and understand. And last week we looked at an extremely challenging one, but somehow to an encouraging piece, the gift of lament. We saw a God who sees our hurts. And our struggles, our suffering, and the cost of real evil that we see and experience in our world. Because He has filled His Word with the laments of His people, recording their cries and their sorrow so that we know that He hears us, that He cares, and even more, that He shares. Because He has recorded not only their words, but His own. As God Himself has poured out lament for the disobedience and the suffering of His people at the cost of their sin. And His cry for us to be restored to Him, healed and made whole, for sin to be destroyed and our souls to be made new. Our God is love, and He is grace. And mercy, and he sees our hurts, and he hurts with you. We're coming to the end of this series now, and again, there's so much more that we could explore, but we're going to step into new things as well. We're moving towards this season of Advent, and in that season, we are going to see the true power of the Word revealed. As we look at God's response to sin, to evil, to suffering in the gift of the Word made flesh, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, the living Word given for us. It's going to be amazing. But first, we have two weeks left before Advent begins. And as we come to the end of this series, we're coming to the last piece, kind of, There's so many pieces, we could break this down infinitely. But the last piece of the puzzle of Scripture, the power of God's promises. 
The things He has spoken to help us see who He is, what He is doing, and what He sees in us and in the world and in time itself. The power and the revelation of prophecy. Now prophecy is at the same time one of the most profound and also one of the most misused parts of Scripture. And there were times this week when we were all going to go for a little ride on Pastor Dustin's hobby horse as he was, had some things that he wanted to say about this. He's got some thoughts, but we're not going to get too far into those things. Because prophecy in Scripture is so beautiful and so profound and so important, but it is so misused and abused and misunderstood because so often when we think about the prophecies of Scripture, we think exclusively about what God is revealing to us about what we call the end times. When we think about prophecy, we think about the future, and when we think about the future, we think about the end. Daniel and Revelation, fantastical images and scenes describing impossible things, beasts and creatures and judgment and destruction, restoration and resurrection and all things being remade and restored, the very throne room of God and the return of Jesus, rapture and tribulation and the reign of God for all eternity and and amen. All of that is true. That is a part of what prophecy in Scripture is communicating to us. God painting for us this amazing picture that no matter what the world looks like, no matter what we're going through, no matter what comes, He has a plan and He is in absolute control. Prophecy matters because it is a big part of our ability to trust to have faith, to know that God sees more, that He is doing more than what I can see and understand here. He told them what He was doing and they saw that come to be so we can believe it too. But if that's all we understand of prophecy, we are missing what God is doing. What God is saying, because the reality of prophecy in Scripture is that it's not about the future or unseen things. Prophecy is, as with all the other pieces we've looked at so far, prophecy is about relationship. It's about restored relationship with our Father and God inviting us to understand what He has created us and all of this for and what He is restoring us to. That's been a consistent theme all the way through this journey through the Word, through this series, the stories, the law, the Psalms, lament. It's all about relationship. God desiring relationship with us and describing relationship to us. The ways He walked 
and worked with people, the ways He told them to live and the things He told them to do, the ways they expressed worship and He led them in fellowship, the ways He walked with them in grief and suffering. Everything is relationship and we try to make it religion, rules and right behaviors when God wants our heart. And for us to simply trust Him to be enough. And if we truly give Him our life, submit to Jesus and embrace His forgiveness, that He will be enough. Prophecy is the same. It's God describing relationship to us and calling us to see that relationship is the very nature of creation. It's everything, everywhere, all the time. And it's the one thing that we've been cut off from in sin. It seems to be really important to Him. He's trying all these different ways to get us to understand it's the root of all these different parts of Scripture woven into all these different parts. It seems to matter to God a whole lot. And so we need to hear what He is speaking to us. Those things we read in Daniel and Revelation and elsewhere can be exciting and compelling. And as much as we love to explore these metaphors and images and pictures that God has painted for us of the future and and the end, that's not all that prophecy is and that's not all that prophecy does. And in fact, that's a very small part of the prophecy that we have in Scripture because what God is doing in the prophetic works in Scripture is far deeper more profound than mere future telling. It's reality revealing. The cost of broken relationship and the power of restored relationship. There are kind of three different parts to prophecy in Scripture, three different things that God is doing within it. There's prophecy about the future and the end. There's a lot of prophecy about the coming of the Messiah the first time. And then there was prophecy for the people then and now, calling them and us to faithfulness and righteousness and repentance. For all the attention we readily give the first part, the stuff about the end, infinite books and radio series and all this stuff, And as much as we love the second part, especially at Advent, the amazing promises of the coming of Jesus, that third part is far and away the biggest part of what God has spoken through His prophets, calling His people and all people back to relationship and the consequences of what it would look like if they continued in disobedience and selfishness. Prophecy in Scripture is about far more than just the end of all things. So much of it is not even about the future at all. We define the word prophecy as speaking about the future, but biblical prophecy simply means a word from God to people. Spoken to people. 
to and through a prophet. It's God bringing His Word to His people to help them understand Him. What He wants. What He is doing. How they should be living. What they should be doing. And some of that is about the future. But a huge amount of it was about what they were doing now. How they were living, what God saw in their hearts and their actions, what was happening around them and to them right then. God interpreting those things and what that should speak to us about our lives and our world right now too. Prophecy in Scripture was God explaining to His people what He saw in their actions, in the things happening in the world. It was God explaining Himself in the world. Explaining the world around them. That they could understand what was happening, why He was allowing things to happen. When they were in exile or facing hardship, being attacked, the movement of people and nations around them, God was calling them to see what He was doing what He wanted for them and calling them back to relationship. Amos chapter 5. Hear this word, Israel, this lament I take up concerning you. Fallen is virgin Israel never to rise again, deserted in her own land with no one to lift her up. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to Israel. Your city that marches out a thousand strong will have only a hundred left. Your town that marches out a hundred strong will have only ten left. This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile and Bethel will surely be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live. Or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them and Bethel will have no one to quench it. Zephaniah chapter 2. Gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect and that day passes like wind-blown chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes on you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes on you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what He commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Zechariah chapter 1, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, son of Edo. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed, turn from your evil ways and your evil practices, but they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Seek the Lord and live. Seek the Lord and do what He commands. Return to me and I will return to you. Over and over and over, all through the prophetic books all and the Places God spoke prophecy in the other books. Whether God was talking about the future or the present, it was God calling His people back to relationship, to righteousness, 
follow Him instead of the world, to submit and obey because His way is best. And the life He desires for His people is a life full of blessing and good things, joy and peace, holiness and worship and abundance. The prophecy of Scripture paints a picture for us of what God wants and why. Because His way is best and He wants that best for us, for you. And it's not just for Israel. God spoke to the nations around them too. Calling them also to repentance, to submit and promising them things if they would bow and declare that the Lord is good. Declaring His power and authority and His judgment against wickedness and selfishness, and disobedience, that to stand against Him is to invite destruction. But if we will listen, we cannot imagine the blessing. Isaiah chapter 19, In that day the Egyptians will become weaklings. They will shudder with fear at the uplifted hand that the Lord Almighty raises against them. The land of Judah will bring terror to the Egyptians. Everyone to whom Judah is mentioned will be terrified because of what the Lord Almighty is planning against them. In that day there will be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt and a monument to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and witness to the Lord Almighty in the land of Egypt. When they cry out to the Lord because of their oppressors, He will send them a Savior and a Defender, and He will rescue them. So the Lord will make Himself known to the Egyptians, and in that day they will acknowledge the Lord. And in Jonah, the greatest sermon and prophecy ever spoken. One single sentence. Some of you wish he was here. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. Eight words. And the whole city repented in sackcloth and ashes. One of the greatest and most powerful cities of the ancient world restored in relationship with their creator. With eight words from the Lord. The power of the word of God given to people when their hearts are willing to hear. How many words has he spoken to you? Prophecy is about relationship. Just like every other part has been about relationship, it's God pouring out His heart to us, declaring life if we will hear and destruction if we will not. For all the ways that we treat prophecy as sometimes so mysterious and confusing, in reality, it is God being as clear as He can possibly be what this world is who we are, who we are meant to be, and how we are meant to live. The images, the metaphors, the pictures can seem confusing, but the message is absolute and clear. Seek the Lord and live. Seek the Lord and do what He commands. Return to Him. Obey and do what is right. And if you do, whatever else happens, 
Whatever these pictures of the future might be, we can know that He is with us and He will rescue us and bring life and blessing and hope and a future. Prophecy is one of the biggest parts of Scripture. There's 18 books of the Bible that are specifically prophecy, more than a quarter of the whole book. And prophecy is in every single book of the Bible, all describing what God is doing, speaking His Word to us, what He wants for us, His desire for us to understand relationship with Him. Almost like he's trying to tell us something. It's almost like there's something he wants us to see. Over and over and over again, God spoke through his prophets to his people and to the nations around them, warning them that their actions have consequences, that the world was made according to his will and his nature, and to live in opposition to that brings destruction crying out to them, turn from your ways, to return to Him, to submit and obey, to follow His law, to live according to His will, to repent and seek forgiveness and be made whole again. We can be so obsessed with the future because we don't want to face death. Or we feel like living is too much effort. We want to escape. We want to be free. God is calling us to live and obey. He doesn't need to tell us new things to reveal future things when we don't listen to the old things. His commands have not changed. And we haven't figured them out. Israel never did either. And yet rather than repent and return to walk in humility and submission, diving into the great commandment and the great commission and life with Jesus, seeking to live with a deeper love and a deeper grace and a deeper hunger for righteousness, we spend our time parsing headlines and reading tea leaves, trying to add up dates following political parties and leaders who think they can promise anything, trying to figure out what the future holds and mostly trying to figure out if it's going to end in my lifetime. When God has called us so clearly through thousands of verses to just walk in obedience, to submit, to embrace Jesus, to trust, to humble ourselves and worship. And He will take care of all the rest. He is completely in control of all the rest. So much of prophecy wasn't a telescope for the future. It was a microscope for the present. God trying to help His people see their own need their own sin, and how much we just need Him. We just need Jesus. What He will do if we will just trust Him. Next week, Pastor Scott's going to talk about the future. What God has promised He will do. That Jesus is coming back. That all of those amazing pictures will be made real somehow. 
But don't lose sight. Don't get distracted of what all those pictures are truly trying to communicate. Don't get lost trying to figure it all out when this is all we need to understand. Seek the Lord and live. Much of prophecy in Scripture talked about the coming of the Messiah, the one who would bring forgiveness and hope that would transform all things. And Jesus came. God fulfilled His prophecies, and He will do it again. He did it, and He will do it. But for us, for today, in the meantime, Jesus is enough. And we've got plenty to do. Is God's word enough? Ezekiel 12 again. Therefore say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, declares the sovereign Lord. God will fulfill his word. He is fulfilling his word. Are we obeying it? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these promises and these prophecies. And God, forgive us when we get obsessed. When we lose sight of what you are speaking here and now and we get caught up in these grand visions you have given us of the future. Father, we believe you have said Jesus will return, that you will make a new heaven and a new earth, that every tear will be wiped away that all will be restored. Father, we believe that there is judgment, that there is separation, but we believe and hope in the forgiveness and salvation of Jesus. But Father, for here and now, we are not called to be caught up in these things. We are called to be caught up in the mission and the ministry you have put before us. The Great Commission to go and make disciples, to bring the hope and love and life of Jesus. Whatever happens, however long you take with all of these things, we have much to do. There are people who need hope, who need love, who need to experience the grace of Jesus in their lives. And Father, we hold on to these pictures of the future to trust that what you are doing now is real too, but God, we want to be faithful. We want to walk in righteousness and obedience. So Father, forgive us where we need forgiveness, and Father, send your Spirit to walk more closely with us, to fill us, to work through us, that we can be light, that we can be salt, that we can be Jesus to a world that needs Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.